It's another episode of Stick Up Working It. Yay! I know everybody's going to be excited about this episode today, Ed, right? Absolutely. So we visited this with this wonderful woman, got so engaged in the conversation that there's just one really important part to both you, Thomas, and I, and all of our listeners um, that we wanted to zone in on. So today we have Katie Fitzgerald uh, with Feeding America back with us, and of course, Thomas Mance, um, our commander-in-chief here at Feeding Tampa Bay. And we're going to talk about what is hunger-free. Yeah, so Katie, welcome back. As I mentioned uh, earlier... Uh, from Good Morning America to Stick a Fork in a Podcast. I'm not sure whether that's a step up or step down, but we're really happy to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you all. It's a great, great day. Every day is a great day when you're talking to Feeding Tampa Bay and yeah, really the you. incredible work you guys are doing in all Thank you. That's what, that's what we'll lead with on the podcast. That's the quote. That's the quote with a pull sheet quote that we'll use from you. So we really wanted to dive in. We had such a great time talking about your background, your past, your thinking about how it formed your work and the way that, you know, you ended up as president of Feeding America. So we have a couple of things we just want to talk about relative to the direction of Feeding America. So let's start with what is the best uh, or the most recent news that we have, which is Feeding America and the network of food banks is now the largest charity in the United States. And talk to us a little bit about your reaction to that, because I think we'd probably all say it's a bit of a mixed reaction. But what was the what was the feeling in in Chicago at the home office, so to speak, when you guys were made aware of that? Well, you know, it is it is a a mixed reaction. Right. So on one hand, and, and that was our reaction, just to be perfectly frank, like we are we were so happy to see that the issue of food insecurity is getting the level of support that it's getting in this country. And that's what the Forbes list really measures, right? What revenue is for for nonprofits. Of course, we're really proud of the fact that when you look at some of the parameters on the Forbes list in terms of the amount of resources our network, including organizations like Feeding Tampa Bay, put back into mission, that is a huge, huge celebration that we are very proud of. So. First and foremost, excited that this is an uh, an issue that is getting support. Secondly, frustrated that it's still an issue in this country that requires a level of support that it has. And, you know, that's a good segue. I know you all want to talk about. So what does ending hunger work really mean? How do we go um, from a place where we've seen in recent history some of the highest levels of demand in food assistance um, that we that many of us have experienced in our lifetimes to a place where we can have measurable, sustainable reductions in food insecurity in this country. Yeah, so first I think, Katie, what's most important to our listener base is, did you happen to see what food bank was listed as number 98 on the top 100? I don't know if you're aware of that, uh, but it would be good if you were able to articulate what food bank that was. Well, I think that would be Feeding Tampa Bay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which is, uh, again, I mean, there were Feeding Tampa Bay and nine other food banks. We don't care about the rest. I know, I know. In in addition to Feeding America's (laughs) national organization, we're on there. But again, I mean, that just says so much, right? The top 111 of those, plus our food banks, plus plus there are other organizations that aren't in the Feeding America network. Yeah. who are doing work in our relative in, in the space. food space. Absolutely. Right. So, so good, good Katie, news. I want to start with a, a question this way. And so if you were to come to a tour at Feeding Tampa Bay and you had never been in a food bank before, we would start with the story of John Van Hengel, 
right? That's always where we start, even though it's not our story. It's our sister food bank in St. Mary's, uh, St. Mary's in, in Phoenix. But we think it's illustrative of who we are, where we come from, the power of, of, our, of our movement and our message and the power of a person. But one of the things that it struck me lately is that many of the food banks are still operating with the same model that John set up 55, almost 60 years ago. So the first question I would have for you is how are you thinking and how is Feeding America thinking about the issue of, I think you would call it ending hunger, right, as an overview and an overarching strategy, uh, especially in relation to a methodology that has been useful, good, and certainly put a lot of meals on a lot of tables, uh, but maybe is changing in the present environment, as we mentioned, given the size and scope of the issue. Well, so I'm not at all surprised that Feeding Tampa Bay is putting forward these kind of evocative questions, as are many in the network. But thank you, Thomas. So what's so timely about us having this follow-up conversation is we just had this conversation in earnest with the board of directors at Feeding America. And I'm going to go really high level and quick so that you can get a follow-up question in Thomas because I know you'll have one. Um, The the truth is there is not a consensus in the Feeding America network nor the food um, security space overall in this country, I would argue even in the world about what does quote unquote ending hunger mean? What we have found to be most helpful and what I believe we will be bringing forward to the network for even more robust discussion is a framework um, really that comes I think from um, our friends from the network. Houston uses something like this, the Houston Food Bank and others, probably you all do too, which sort of talks about ending hunger work along a continuum. So there's the work that John Van Hangel started, like you spoke to, which is about feeding people sort of today in the moment when a family, a senior, a person is experiencing food insecurity, when they get that assistance from feeding Tampa Bay right now today, that is ending hunger for them. They are able to use uh, their resources for the other uh, financial needs they have, they're able to get nourished, that's vitally important. And there's a whole body of work that you're aware of, I know, in our network to really make sure we are addressing racial and geographic disparities Mm -hmm. in food access. So that's critical. Then you move into the evolution that we've seen across the country in terms of quote unquote ending hunger work toward more sustainable financial security. And again, Feeding Tampa Bay and others have been very active in this space. So that's helping people get on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, making sure that we're creating real policy change differences and access to summer EBT for kids, which was just achieved through the omnibus bill that was just passed by Congress. So those kinds of things that sustainably um, allow a family to achieve greater financial security. Even the workforce development work that you all do and others do is along those lines, right? Usually at the household level. And then from a scale perspective, feeding feeding people, we're talking millions, you know, billions of meals in in food assistance. You go to the financial security, we're at the tens and hundreds of thousands. And then you go to the dressing root cause space, which is sort of on that continuum of ending hunger. And that is 
looking at the other issues that are really behind people's financial and uh, economic and food insecurity. So housing policy, tax policy, um, you know, livable wages, the sort of structural institutionalized, institutionalized racism, the kinds of things that really are behind the perpetuation of economic insecurity. And, and frankly, the Feeding America network of food banks are operating all across that continuum. Some food banks are in each of those spaces. I think I see that as feeding Tampa Bay in each yes. of those spaces. Mm -hmm. yes. Some food banks are weighted more toward the food access space. Some are getting even more leaning into the policy systems change work. I think what's important, and I'll be quiet, I'm interested in your response, <laughs> that we not get too bent out of shape arguing about what's the right thing to do. Because frankly, that whole continuum is necessary because look at inflation. We thought coming out of the pandemic that we would start to see food de assistance demand level off. And with the inflated food prices, it's just gone sky high. We've got some food banks that are having higher demand in October than they had during the height of the pandemic. So it will always be situational. There will always be need that spikes and we have to be working on root cause issues at the same time. So you have a lot of good stuff to unpack there. And so, so I do have a couple of follow-up questions around that. So San, uh, San Antonio uses a, a way of talking about this that we've adopted here, uh, San Antonio Food Bank for the listener. Food for today, food for tomorrow, food for a lifetime. And so we've tried to work along that continuum. And so we think that's a good way to frame the conversation. But I think you also bring up something that's important now for the listener. If you've never heard this or saying in our world, been to one food bank, been to one food bank, right? Part of the reason for that is we have self-determination, right? Which is part of the value of our network. What you do locally is present to your local circumstances. And one of the things we love about Feeding America and the network of food banks is that we can be where we are as we need to be there. And then even Katie, within our own territory, we have a 10 county area. The needs across those 10 counties are remarkably variable based on a wide variety of circumstances. As you mentioned, sometimes it's it's race, access, uh, sometimes it's rural versus urban or suburban, right? So there's, there's myriad issues. But one of the things that Feeding America shared several years ago that we built a lot of our thinking out about is this. And this comes from the work that Erica uh, did with your shop, which was uh, what we called Ending Hunger Community of Practice, which really looked at how do you do this? And Feeding America at the time posited a theory that said, on average, each family had a gap of about $1,100 to $1,200 a month between income and expense. And the goal of ending hunger would be to reduce that gap. So for example, if we got you donated groceries, that might be a couple hundred dollars a month. If we were able to connect you with SNAP or WIC or CHIP, right? You think about this. How does that thinking, my first question is, how does that thinking continue to guide anything that you're doing today? Like, how do you see that as, as, as sort of a, a directional um, uh, thought in terms of where you think Feeding America might go in, in, in thinking about best practice and guidance? Because I, I do want to be clear, we understand you all can give best practice and guidance. Each food bank can then decide what, what you know, merits their attention or, or what would work in their community. But how are you thinking about that idea today in terms of, of gap closing and, and this idea of ending hunger? 
Yeah, so um, so that work reflected not just what the national office was putting forward, that community practice, but really the best thinking of the network. So yes. Thomas, I think that, that is, that's core to how we're thinking about our role in support of the network, which is every food bank, as you said, sort of thinks about how it will work in its community in the most optimal way. So we have some food banks um, who have built entire call centers around SNAP and other public yeah. benefits. Yeah, to, yeah we you visited know, a few. You know, yep. Yeah, to clo Cleveland, right, and others, yep. to close the financial gap for folks. There's one part of it, as you said. Um, and Eric Cooper, who's working in San Antonio, they're approaching housing as a core yes. element of how they're trying to close that financial gap. Um, uh, Houston, as we mentioned before, and many others, and, and you, you all may be doing it too, are looking at food scholarships. So how do you sort of take the idea um, of sort of food first, make sure people have all their food needs met so that they can address other things? I, I would say how we're thinking about it is how we can um, best optimize those different approaches through uh, best practice sharing. We at the national office have built new teams who are focused on innovation, health systems partnerships, which Feeding Tampa Bay has been a leader nationally in, in figuring out how do you close gaps in terms of healthcare provision and having people's healthcare and nutrition needs met. So we're trying to build a national office that can really um, serve each individual food bank's needs to figure out what part of the gap they're gonna close. Because going all the way back when I started with the SNAP call centers, there are some food banks who are working in a community where another organization in their community does that. Yeah. Does that. Sure. And so a sort of one size fit all model, um, though some days I wish we could do it that way because it'd be a lot easier. <laughs> it's just not the nature of our beast, right? We, we, are, we are so community based, which is truly our strength that we've got to be able to be nimble enough to support every different food bank uh, where they're at. And again, like Feeding Tampa Bay, you all have done a beautiful job of knitting together uh, different supports and services given your, your understanding of your community and your 10 county area and the special and unique role the food bank there can play. Each year, our dedicated partner Frank Crum hosts an exciting golf invitational event that benefits our free restaurant program, Trinity Cafe. This year's event will take place on Monday, February 20th at Innisbrook Resort and Golf Club. You still have time to register online by visiting frankcrum-golf.perfectgolfevent.com. That's F-R-A-N-K-C-R-U-M-golf.perfectgolfevent.com. Enjoy some sports and sun while helping to end hunger in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, and I think, as you know, when you visited us during our Imagine event and came down and spoke, we've spent the last year interviewing our community. And interestingly, we didn't ask anybody in the community about feeding Tampa Bay. We asked people in the community about them. Yeah. Right. So we've spent most of our time trying to understand whether you're a service provider or a service user. What are the unique opportunities, challenges, and circumstances of your world? And we're trying to reframe our work around that so that we look at it less as a food insecurity problem, though that is the prevalent or presenting issue, but we now see it much more of a household instability or economically unstable family that, as you mentioned, some food banks are saying, well, what's the role for us in certain places where there may or may not be a gap 
that we can step into, which is how we're thinking about this work. Yeah, in partnerships, you know, and how we can drive even more support. Right. Just if we have a partner that's doing really critical root cause work or economic security work in our community, how do we even drive more support to them? And and there's been all kinds of interesting partnerships out there. Yeah. And I think I think uh, the food bank in Chicago, the Chicago Food Depository has been particularly thoughtful in how to build capacity across their network. I, I think it'll be helpful for us to continue to pay attention to that. And as you mentioned, what Kristen has done in Cleveland, we're really excited about seeing what that creates as she has built kind of a robust services model where she's bringing a wide variety of providers together, which is, you know, something guiding our thinking uh, significantly. Katie, I want to get to a really important part of the other uh, part that you shared. Years ago, I went through, uh, and I imagine you know several people in the network that have, have gone through the Harvard program about strategic perspectives and nonprofit management, which is a terrific way. Uh, it's an eight-day course that really, for me, foundationally shifted my thinking about how to approach the work that we do today. It was just a, a, a great opportunity for us as an organization to have me participate. But one of the things that I took from that was that ultimately, if you look across the wide variety of long-term change and the continuum of, of shifting community capability, it really comes down to policy. Mm-hmm. And so as much as we can build more buildings, get more trucks, find more donated food, uh, offer more program assistance, you really start to look at advocacy and policy as a fundamental way of addressing the core infrastructure inequity that exists. So talk to us a little bit, you know, as a listener may or may not know, Feeding America has been um, vital in the continuation of SNAP resources being available to our communities over these past uh, many years. Uh, Your advocacy work has been uh, uh, vital to keeping that program from being cut. But you mentioned other types of advocacy. How is the national office, who has far more power than we might hear in our little neck of the woods, how is national office thinking about that advocacy and policy as you all move forward? I realize you might just be forming that thinking, but since you mentioned it. Great question. I'm so glad you asked it because this really aligns to the conversation about uh, a continuum of engagement on quote unquote, ending hunger in the United States. Um, And I must just begin by saying the power in advocacy actually doesn't rest with the national office. Now we do have an office in DC, all that, but the power of advocacy, and you know this Thomas, rests with all of you who are working in community because your elected representatives care mostly what you and your neighbors and your friends and colleagues in your community care about. So we, we love and appreciate how engaged uh, feeding Tampa Bay and the whole network is in in advocating. So um, the the reason why I think this is so important as it relates to coming together as a national network and how we think about ending hunger is that there's actually policy goals all across that continuum. So often um, I would say what I would um, uh, suggest as a sort of provo- uh, provocation to this conversation is our network sometimes thinks about policy is just in the um, ending hunger root cause work. And actually we're, we're highly engaged and it's necessary for us to be involved along that continuum. So take first, if you can imagine in your mind's eye, the whole body of work around food assistance. Well, 
you know, and those who are listening should know that that would be so much less effective if we didn't have the emergency food assistance program, if we didn't have the the commodity supplemental uh, food assistance program, all of those federal programs that drive resources to the states and to many of our food banks, um, of which we just recently got increased uh, dollars for storage and distribution, are vital for addressing food insecurity. But then kind of go to this next level that you talked about, which is SNAP, WIC, um, other forms of public benefits that support people who are food insecure because they're financially insecure, right? Um, so those are sort of that next layer of advocacy that so many folks are involved in. And then the third sort of leg of that stool is around what, what we were just talking about that you mentioned, which is what are some of the fundamental sort of root cause issues that are adjacent to driving financial insecurity? So how do we think about our tax policy? And when we had a child tax credit during the height of the pandemic, Huge we were able we were yeah. able to lift we not just our network but as a country yeah. we lifted tens of millions of children out of poverty and those kinds of all along that continuum those are policy decisions um enacted by uh, federal agencies congress you know we need advocacy all along i think where we have seized less opportunity is the national network and where i think the opportunity rests where we're headed is in that area around root cause work. So we've got to decide as a national network, um, because we are so community-based, what do we know are some of the drivers, the biggest drivers for food insecurity? I mean, we do know housing is one of them. People's inability to afford housing is a major contribution to their financial security. So we may need to be thinking about what's the Feeding America network how are we going to think about our policy advocacy in some of these other spaces that in a in a sort of um traditional uh, service structure tend to get relegated to the different nonprofits who lead in those spaces and i just think we are not thinking that way anymore as a network we understand these issues are all connected yeah so we we uh, held up the 10 minute sign so i have two important questions to ask you and i'll go with the first one which is easiest so that does lead to an interesting question. Do you think that Feeding America is likely to develop some strategic alliances that are more thoughtfully co-joined as opposed to loosely partnered, right? Do you see that? So we're thinking that here, uh, Katie, locally, about how do we more forcefully connect our work because our guests don't see a difference in their need, but they see a difference in how they access support. Is that something that the national office is thinking about national partnerships? I know, again, they'd have to be acted out locally, but is that something that's on your mind? 100% on our mind. So, um, and it's coming from, just like you all, it's coming from what people facing hunger in our communities are telling us. Like we don't, we're human beings. We don't have these different lines of demarcation in our experience, right? So people have said, yes, I need nutritious food. I need affordable housing because that's a big piece of why I'm not able to get nutritious food. Um, I need my kids to have access to resources. I mean, there's there's so much there. So what we know is we're gonna be stronger in advocating in that space 
if we're partnering with other entities and advocacy groups who have a lot of credibility, have probably more understanding than we have about those issues. So we are very much going to be seeking, I think together as a network, where can we optimize some relationships and leverage our collective power? Yeah, one of our observations in doing the work, and we knew this, was that social services tends to lay a blanket of service over a broad group of people and say, here, this works. But it doesn't speak to a customer service profile that says you have a wide variety of times, places, needs, access points, etc. Um, the other question that I wanted to ask you, so Feeding America has taken some fairly thoughtful stands around particularly issues of race and access, equity, um, a poli you know, policies around that. Where do you see Feeding America throwing a flag in the ground around ending hunger? So I'll, I'll share our flag that we threw in the ground four years ago, um, almost four years ago. So from our perspective, we said to the community, we wanted, now we're using our terminology just to be clear to the listener, um, uh, we wanted a hunger-free Tampa Bay by 2025. And I wanna, I wanna define that for you, and then I wanna have it reflect back on how Feeding America is thinking about this and what flag you all may plant in the ground. But a hunger-free community is a community in which any individual or family can thrive through access to healthy food and or the development of financial self-sufficiency. So in the shortest terms, that means we need to create around 150 million meals a year, either by providing the hard, you know, the, the meal itself or creating the equivalency of folks moving out of meat. That's kind of our flag in the ground and that's how we define that, especially again for the listener. And we're committed to that pathway and want to get there. How does Feeding America define today for itself as the collective uh, ending hunger? How would you define that from your perspective as you see it today? Yeah, so um, it's a great question. And I would say we've, we've recently thrown a flag um, <laughs> <laughs> and the flag is sort of just hit the ground and it's a flag that's gonna require the kind of partnerships that we're talking about. It's really a national call to action coming out of the pandemic where I think the awareness and support for food insecurity hit a height, yes. which is a, is, a, is a bad news, good news story, right? Um, we all recognize this opportunity to meaningfully, sustainably reduce food insecurity. And yet we haven't done that yet. So the flag that we've thrown is that by 2030, we would like to see food insecurity in the United States reduced by 5%. And people might say, well, that doesn't seem like much. Well, food insecurity in the United States has been hovering around 10% yes. for the last, you know, 40 years. I was going to say goes, 30 to 40 years. Yeah, it goes spikes up. up. Yeah, it yep. spikes yep. up in recession, spiked up in, in the pandemic, comes down, but it's sort of been hovering around that 10% mark. To get it to 5%, would be radical in our country. It would country. be a huge change, right? For and the listener, that would be change, huge. Right, so, so to put that in perspective for folks. And in addition to that, we have said, not only do we wanna reduce that rate, we wanna reduce disparities by 50% by race in place. So we know African-American homes and households, Latino, Native Americans experience food insecurity two to three times the rate of, of white households. We don't think that's acceptable now, certainly not five years from now. So how do we reduce those rates and how do we reduce geographic disparities? And as you know, Thomas, we've been making investments in, in partnership with food banks 
to not only reduce food insecurity overall, but reduce disparities where they appear. It's a huge challenge, has not been done before. And frankly, we don't have, a, you know, sort of the game plan. And I can't tell you today exactly how we're gonna get this done. If we, if we knew that, we would have done it 20 years ago. What we do know is we as a network won't be able to do that alone because of all that we talked about. And we're gonna need other partners and that's why it's a call to action for our nation. Well, and I think, I think, Katie, you know, it's not a better place to end on. We have two minutes left, so it'd be impossible for us to talk the strategy. But I think from my perspective, I'd say two things. One, we're in. So where you want to go, we're going with you. Great. Uh, and, and number two, I think it's important. You mentioned this. I think we have a platform today that we've never had as a network before. And that really leads back to the very first question I asked you about our position. But I think with that platform comes a responsibility. And part of that responsibility is a willingness to stand up and stand out. And so we're happy to hear the national says, hey, we've got some thoughtful commitments we need to make to our community. So uh, one more time, it is a pleasure to speak with Katie Fitzgerald, the president of Feeding America, a great partner and friend to all of us that do this work. Uh, Shannon and Ev, I'll turn it back over to you. But Katie, I just... I can't say thank you enough for your thoughtful leadership of our network. Uh, we're proud to work alongside you, that's for sure. Well, the feeling is, is more than mutual, Thomas, and uh, I'm just grateful for the leadership of Feeding Tampa Bay um, because we are mostly a mirror. We reflect the innovation, leadership, passion, uh, energy that comes from communities like yours and so many others across the country. So thanks thank for having you, thank me you. on again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us. And for our listeners, this is just one big step into feeding Tampa Bay and the Tampa Bay area being hunger free. So stay tuned for our next podcast and you're just going to get more information and be in the know. Thanks, friends. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Feeding Tampa Bay.